as well as uh, just learning more about how you can be getting involved, different things that are going on. It's going to be a great time, so make sure you sign up for that at the Connection Center. We also have our Connections groups launching for the winter quarter. So if you were out in the lobby at all, you saw a bunch of the tables set up. Those are all the different Connection groups that are being offered this quarter for the winter quarter. Um, it's going to be an amazing time. Find one that works for your schedule. There are several different ones over many different days. Find one that works and uh, really get connected. We really want um, each individual here to feel like they have a group that they really feel like they belong to, that they can come around um, in times of hard times, but as well as that you guys can laugh with and have fun with. There's a ton of fun things going on. Uh, so make sure that you check those out in the lobby. Sign up uh, for one that works for you guys because it's going to be a blast. Uh, we also have Daniel Fast currently going on. How many of you guys are tired? How many are doing it? I'm doing it. I had to give up coffee and it has been horrible. And now you guys know that I really do talk this fast without coffee, so you guys are aware of that now. But it's been a really hard time, but it has been incredible. The Lord is doing incredible things here at North Lake Church, and we just wanted to take some time to say, you know, Lord, we are dedicating 2018 to you. We are dedicating everything going on in this church to you. Um, and it has been an amazing time, not only on a, on a corporate level as the body of Christ, but on an individual level. It's been a, a really incredible time. So make sure that if you guys are doing that, that you're really doing it for the purpose of seeking the Lord. It's not a diet. It's not a meal plan. It's for really honing in and saying, okay, Lord, I'm giving up something, whether it is the food and the Daniel fast specifically, or it's something else that you've decided to give up just to really use that time to focus on the Lord, focus on what he wants you to do for 2018 and how you can make an impact in those around you for his kingdom. Amen. Thank you guys for being here this morning. Did everybody see what I did? See, this is what old age does for you. I'm back here with that. I looked at this situation and I said, Brian, there is a better way <laughs> than knocking this beautiful guitar on the floor. Because <laughs> before I would have just lifted that thing up and gone. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Uh, we are excited and believing God for big things. I, I want to ask Colin if he would come, uh, and, and I want you to agree in prayer with me regarding something. Uh, you know, Colin is a miracle from the Lord. Uh, he, he has uh, absolutely uh, uh, surpassed every doctor's uh, diagnosis. He belongs to the Lord God first. He belongs to Jesus first. And so uh, we are praying. I want you to pray. But he has decided there have been so, so many operations and tests they've put him through, and, and they would like to try one more. And for a while he said, no, I'm not going to do it. But he has been continuing to think and pray, and he is going to allow them to do this. And, and the test is happening when? Tomorrow morning. So I want you to be in prayer with me. We're going to pray over Colin. He belongs to Jesus. And uh, we know that God can use physicians' hands, but we're going to pray over those hands. Believe the Lord will anoint those hands, whatever they are. And here's the thing. Even at the point where those hands are done, how many of you know, no matter how much technology, no, no matter how, how much knowledge, we are man, he is God. And the Bible clearly says he's a miracle-working God that we can come and we can pray and we can know that he's a God of miracles. So we're going to pray. We're going to ask God to do a miracle in Colin again, and God has done it time and time again. Would you join me in prayer? Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for Colin. I thank you for his faith in you. Lord, I ask right now your healing over him. God, I do pray you would touch the doctors, the physicians, every nurse, any person that will be uh, having his care, Lord, under them. Anoint them. God, may their hands be led and guided by you. But Jesus, where man stops, bring healing from the hand of God. God, you have sustained him. You have brought him this far. You are his God. We call upon you in the name of Jesus according to Scripture and simply pray the prayer of faith. 
asking, Lord, for you to raise him up for the glory and the testimony of Christ in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. Um, all right. I hope that you are living the life of the nudge of the Holy Spirit. I hope that you truly are experiencing his voice speaking into your heart and life. I hope, especially as you have maybe set aside certain foods or whatever you've set aside, that you will be able to do to hear the voice of God in this time. God is talking. I find that many times I need to remove myself from the distractions so that I may hear. Amen? Amen. This morning, we are going to look at a passage of Scripture talking about living by the nudge, and we're going to get ready. I'm having some electronic difficulties today. How many of you say, that's normal? <laughs> that's okay. Uh, God's Word is true anyway. And so we are going to uh, glorify God. Would you hold your Bible up in whatever form you have? And let's say, this book is my all-sufficient guide for faith and conduct. Hallelujah. And I pray that is getting down into your heart and spirit, not just our mind. Amen. We are going to be looking at a passage of Scripture in Romans, the passage in Romans chapter 1, verses 14 through 17, as we talk about eager, unashamed faith. Eager, unashamed faith. Now, this is all, yes, one uh, exclamation or explanation for something I believe as believers that we need to see happening in our life if we will allow ourselves to be lived by the nudge of the Spirit, living in a constant state of being nudged by His Spirit. We are going to look at uh, just these uh, short four verses and uh, in incredible verses, powerful verses. So let's uh, read together. Paul says here, I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. Thus, for my part, I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in, the in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. Praise the Lord for the word of God. You know, we are getting ready to do, uh, obviously, you can see, I was giving Brian Pinch a little bit of a hard time. I said, it looks like a leopard with spots. <laughs> but, you know, we're getting ready to finish up because we just did this uh, huge uh, production about It's a Wonderful Life and praise the Lord for those who gave their hearts to Christ during that time. We rejoice. But uh, all of that was across here, and it made this entire platform uh, be transformed, and, and it sucked you in to Bedford Falls, New York, and you became part of that. Uh, well, I want to talk to you about this next picture. It's in California, Death Valley. Uh, it's not talked a lot about, but Death Valley is the hottest place on earth. It literally is the hottest place. Death Valley sits in the driest and the lowest elevation in North America. Now, 
it's pretty obvious from looking <laughs> that this is dry. It doesn't take long. You see the, the cracks in the earth. There's not been water there for a long time, except last year. <laughs> and, and then when it happens, it destroys, doesn't it? But here's my point. This passage of Scripture encourages us that we would consider ourselves spiritual debtors. You may have a translation that says, instead of I am under obligation, I am a spiritual debtor to both Jew and Greek. I want to talk about that. See, I believe if we truly understand what God is doing in our hearts, that we need to understand just like this photograph. You say, well, Pastor Brian, I know people in my life, and, and they look fine. I want to draw your attention to the fact that through a facade, we changed this platform and made you believe it was Bedford Falls. And there are many who are as dry as this picture spiritually, but they've got the facade on. They've got everything in place for you to very easily, if we're not careful, think everything is fine. But I'm telling you, somewhere in there, there is empty and dry as Desert Valley, Death Valley. Uh, important for us to know that maybe the person that is in your office, maybe the person that is in your neighborhood, maybe the person that is in your school or in your area, a sphere of influence, really does need Jesus. So I want to talk about what does it mean to be living by the nudge? And better maybe description what does living by the nudge cause? Well, the very first thing I think, if we look at this passage of Scripture and we see the work of the Spirit in the life of Paul, there is something happening in the life of Paul that is incredible. Living by the nudge causes eager sharing, number one. Living by the nudge causes eager sharing. Now, what does that mean? Looking at verses 14 through 15, it means that Paul had an expectation in his heart. He, had, he knew that he had been transformed by the power of God. There was no doubt. You've heard me talk about this before, that I believe in our country especially, we need to be very careful that we don't cheapen the gospel presentation by making it just a quick prayer and making it a religious formula because instead it is the truth and the power of God and if there is true salvation there is transformation that happens in the heart and in the life it happened in Paul he who was Saul was a completely, radically different person than when he was persecuting the church. Now, you may be in a spot where you say, well, Brian, I haven't killed anybody yet, <laughs> and, and uh, that's good. <laughs> Paul, of course, did many incredible things, including killing Christians, and maybe you're in that spot, well, I, I'm not that bad. No, but what I'm asking you is, has the gospel gripped your heart to the point where you truly recognize you are not the same person. It's not for me to judge, but I am going to ask a question, and it, uh, I, I ask you to take it before the Lord, because I believe it's a question worth asking. And that is, Lord, if I've received you in my heart, and there's been no change, do I really believe you? Have I really experienced new birth? You say, wow, pastor, I'm not trying to be harsh, 
I'm trying to tell you, America has been real good at offering the gospel at this just easy believism. Get your fire insurance, head out the door, and live like you want. The Bible talks that there's a transformation when the nudge of the Spirit is present in your heart. There is an eagerness to talk about what God has done in your life. There is an eagerness to share. Now, in the New American Standard and possibly some other version you may have, it says, Paul says, I'm eager to preach. Great word. means to give the good news, to publicly proclaim. But I believe here again in our culture, we have oftentimes deemed that 95% of the gospel preaching happens on a platform. Wrong. 5% of the gospel happens preaching on a platform. It needs to be that 95% of the gospel is you and I sharing with someone else what God has done in our hearts, what God has done in our lives. Yes, it is to publicly proclaim, to teach. It is about a religious message or belief. But listen to these words, proclaim, teach, spread, propagate, expound. Not just from the platform. Now, I, I want to see, I want you to see yourself electronically this morning, even though I don't have anything electronic up here. <laughs> I guess I do have the microphone. Let's pray it continues, all right? <laughs> but I, I want you just to get a hold of this illustration. God has given us a life in this vessel. I want you to consider yourself that you're like a little zip drive. And you go about your day possibly plugging in to lots of people during the day. What are you leaving them with? Hopefully not a virus. Yeah, physically for us now, of course, because all of us are sick, right? But, but I'm not talking about in the natural man. I'm talking about in the spirit man, in the spiritual way. What are we passing to those who plug into our zip drive of life? What is it that you are going to pass on? Are you going to pass on something that is insignificant? It drive. It, I just, I, confession's good for the soul. If you send me a game on Facebook, I hate it. I don't have time for it. <laughs> I use Facebook because it's a tool, and I love being connected with you. I love hearing about when a spot that I could pray or a spot where I could encourage you, but I don't have time for games. <laughs> so that's good, but <laughs> don't, so hopefully I won't get some of those. <laughs> but, but what I'm saying is, the zip drive of your life is plugging into somebody. It's plugging into your family. It's plugging into your friends, to your neighbors. When God gives you that time, don't be so caught up in how long it is. Be caught up in what you're transferring. Because if God just has you plug into somebody for 30 seconds, then praise the Lord. And then you're on. But some of those throughout the day, maybe were five minutes, 10 minutes, maybe a half hour. You don't know. With family, it could be longer than that. Here's the point. God gives us all 24 hours. What are we passing when that zip drive of our life connects with somebody? What is it that we're passing? Praise the Lord, I believe living by the nudge of the Spirit will cause you to be eager to share. And 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 says it this way. 
but sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. Always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you. Yet, with gentleness and reverence. Now, I want to talk just about the scripture just for a moment. Number one, could it be if we are not living by the nudge of the Spirit that the reason that we're not eager and don't find ourselves sharing is because we have not sanctified Christ as Lord? Ooh, okay, then this is the second thing. God's doing a work in our church. And Jeff and Glenda, so many of you, give God glory. Amen? Go ahead. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you. Here's my point, that God asks us how to do it, how to share. He tells us how to share. You know, I have found that in the Bible you can see this. Those Jesus knew most is where, when they were out of line, he rebuked most. Those who were lost in sin, he just loved on them so that they could see. But those who knew better, it's kind of like in your family, when you have one of your children acting up, it's different than when your next-door neighbor's children are acting up. So what I'm saying is this. We need to be hearing the nudge of the Spirit. We need to be listening because God will give us a way to do it with gentleness and reverence. God's not asking us to accost people. God's wanting us to be eager to share. Amen? All right, let's look at verse 16 and talk about point two. Point two is this, living by the nudge brings unashamed believing. So now we've talked about the uh, making sure that we are eager. Now we're going to talk about making sure we are unashamed. Both of those come from a nudge of the Spirit in you. Unashamed. What does unashamed believing mean? means without being embarrassed about it. I get that all the time from the world. They don't even blush about what they share or dump on people. Uh, and, and they dump it many ways. <laughs> I believe it's time. If you evaluate yourself and you say, I just don't feel a boldness. You need to pray because that doesn't come from you. It will come from the Spirit of God who dwells in you. Being unashamed of the gospel. Now, unashamed doesn't mean 
He's going to make you a Billy Graham. Unashamed means he'll work in your personality to be unashamed. To be not ashamed of the fact that you are a follower of Jesus Christ. You have heard me say this before. I have somewhat refined it over the years. But I believe that this statement describes what happens far too often in the church especially in America. For too many and too long, we spend all our time trying to fit Jesus into the details of our lives. Biblical reality is Jesus is your life and all the rest just details. Hallelujah! Don't try to fit Jesus somewhere into your life. Detach yourself. Unfetter yourself from all the stuff and make it about Jesus. And the rest of life is just a detail. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, if you want to find joy in doing the details, it's when Jesus is at the center. <laughs> When Jesus isn't at the center, the details become terrible. <laughs> Hallelujah. Lots of scriptures here. Lots of scriptures talking about being unashamed. Having the nudge of the Spirit brings an unashamed faith. It means you are a true believer. I don't know. Maybe you've heard this story. It's been told before. I'll just use it quickly as an illustration. There is a huge difference if someone had a 200-foot uh, wire stretched from one 12-story building to another and said, you know, I believe I can grab this wheelbarrow and walk across that rope and make the other side. And for you to say, I believe you might be able to do that. And then there's a whole other difference for him to say, great, get in the wheelbarrow, we'll go. You hear what I'm saying? So I believe by the nudge of the Spirit, we need to understand there is a reality in Jesus. We need not be ashamed or afraid. I talked about in class today. He's our hope. 17,000 books in the Library of Congress on the person of Jesus Christ more than any other person ever on the face of the earth. And yet, that doesn't always pan out to being an unashamed believer. People have lots of knowledge about who Jesus is. They need to experience who Jesus is, making him Savior and Lord. It is there you become unashamed, unashamed, of the gospel. So what will living by the nudge do? I believe it'll bring you to Titus chapter 2 verses 11 through 14 that says this. For the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously and godly in this present age, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself a people for his own possession zealous for good deeds. See, unashamed, unashamed, zealous, ready and unashamed. Hallelujah. It's one thing to believe here. It's another thing to get in the wheelbarrow and go across. All right. Let's look at verse Number 17, 
I want to spend some time on this point. Living by the nudge produces righteous faith. See, in verse 17 it says, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. That means it begins with faith and it ends in faith. As it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. There is uh, all kinds of things, experiments you can do, and, and you can take water. Water is one of the neat, neatest things. Neat for me. I, I like watching things that just happen. If you just take a glass of water and just take food coloring, I can have fun for hours. Okay? Because I just, see, I'm telling on myself a lot this morning, but it's true. I love just taking a couple of drops and watching them as it slowly goes in there, and you see the drops kind of settle and move into the water. And, and if you know, if you, if you keep dropping enough of it, it produces something other than what you started with. <laughs> I do. I, a lava lamp would be good, too. <laughs> but the point is this. When salvation comes and is in us, it will produce. The, the word of God is clear in Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 26 and 27. It does not say in that scripture, sometimes God will take out your stony heart and possibly give you a new one. And maybe God may place his spirit in you and move you possibly to follow after him. No. What does the scripture say? It says, I will take out your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will place my spirit in you and will move you to follow after me. Praise God. That's good. That's what God will produce in you. He will produce it in you. Not by might nor by power, but by his spirit, he produces it in us. Hallelujah. That is the transformation that Paul was talking about here. He, he was getting ready to preach to the Romans. He was a Jew, first of all. And it says in 1 Corinthians, the first chapter, verse 22, that Paul said, you know, with much fear and trembling I came because I realize that the power of God does not rest on me. So I wasn't going to impress you with wise or persuasive words. And then he says specifically in that verse, that the Jews looked for signs and the Romans wanted wisdom. And God said, I'm going to confound you both. Because it's, he looked at the Jews and he said, the kingdom of God does not happen by your careful observation. <laughs> for the kingdom of God is within you. And then to the Romans to those Greeks who thought that they were going to make it by their wisdom, he says, I will frustrate the intelligence of the intelligent. I will take their own intelligence and make them go crazy because I'll do it in my way and they'll stand confounded. <laughs> Hallelujah! I love it when God does things. It's, it's like a transformation of food coloring, different drops being placed in a fish tank. Because you can just see a myriad of colors happening all around. <laughs> yeah, you're all saying, wow, Pastor, this fast has got you a little bit <laughs> whacked out. You need, to, you need to slow down on this Daniel thing. <laughs> 
But I'm talking about giving you illustrations to illustrate something that I want you to grab in the spirit realm. Something I want you to grab with your hearts and let the Spirit open it up to you and realize that where the Spirit of the God is, we ought to be eager. Where the Spirit of God is, we ought to be unashamed. And where the Spirit of God is, we ought to be living by faith. Faith. Now, the Bible has a lot to say about faith. One of the scriptures I've mentioned there is Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 6, that talks about, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Now, that'll frustrate the intelligent. <laughs> it will. I mean, it's true. It does. The, the very first thing he says, Hebrews 11, now, the, now faith is, and everybody scientific is saying, okay, I've got this. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. I can't grab it. Why? Because God says, as you continue on there, that he spoke the world into existence by faith. So that what you see was made out of what you don't see. <laughs> and again, all of us who want this, if I don't see it, I won't believe it. Well, I'm sorry, but your hair's a mess because of the wind. <laughs> and you didn't see anything. But it's still messy. Hallelujah. <laughs> you hear what I'm saying? <laughs> and so we, we need to grab a hold of this, that God is the God of the unseen. There is more happening in the unseen world than there is in the seen world. No wonder the Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against things we cannot see. And if you're praying for your family and loved ones, yes, I know sometimes we can get caught up on, on what we see. Uh, again, the five senses I've talked to and the, the fact that we're in these bodies. But look past it. There's something spiritual happening. There's a battle taking place. And the battle is an eternal one. Faith is the faith is the not faces, but faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Then in verse number six it says, For without faith it is impossible to please God. No one will come to God without faith. No one will say, No, I'm gonna do it. Only when he proves. He lays it out before me. And I tell you, God's done some amazing things, but God also talks about in the Scripture that people who are in that mindset, it's really not about faith. It's about that they don't want to serve him. Because he says, look, you're, the question you're asking, the guy that would died and went down to hell, uh, hell's a real thing. Hate to tell, tell everybody that it's trying to be PC. Erasing hell, we can erase it here. It doesn't change it up there. Okay? But, but what I'm saying is he was talking a story about the rich man who died and he went to hell. And he says, well, let me come back and let me warn my brothers. Jesus in the parable says, look, they had the prophets. They had all these people and they wouldn't believe them. They won't believe even if someone comes back from the dead. Now, that's a strong statement of unbelief. How do you get in a spot like that when you hard your heart so hard that you say, I refuse to serve God. I don't care who he is. I am my own God. Wow. But here's what I want to talk about now as we've kind of laid this thing out by faith. So what does faith mean? If we talk about living by the nudge produces faith, and it does, it will produce, we've talked about that, I want to talk about righteous faith, because that's what it says. It produces a righteousness from God by faith. It's different. When you try to produce righteousness by the flesh, 
you will be frustrated and you will frustrate other people. Because they won't be doing what you want them to do and they don't want to do what you want them to do. (laughs) But when it's by faith because of God, everything changes. A righteousness from faith is not from religion or good works. Good works and religion both will kill you. Only Jesus saves. I cannot somehow do enough good things that God said, well, you know, son, you finally tipped the scale. I can't do it. I can't do it. So what does it mean to have a righteous faith? It's not the religion, not the checking off the box. I haven't missed a Sunday school class, and I really did. And this, this is, when you're doing it for the right purpose, it can be glorious. I don't want to. I don't want in any way for anyone to hear the heart of your lead pastor saying that it, that that faithfulness is not important. It is. It's a wonderful quality. But uh, when we when we hang our shingle on, I haven't missed Sunday school class for fifty years. If that's what you present Jesus when you get into heaven, good luck. But. If it's because I have been blessed, had my sins washed by the blood of Jesus, and he has saved me, and he has kept me, and he has empowered me, therefore I have been faithful to him for 50 years, and I will not turn my back on him. That's a big difference. Righteous faith centers on the fact that Jesus Christ has done it all. He has done it all. And when that is happening, this kind of faith produces works to glorify God that point to Jesus. And that's what righteous faith is about. Righteous faith is about being cleaned and sanctified by the blood of Jesus even in the midst of a week where maybe you have a day where you have fell down and slipped and you've not only cut your own knees, you've taken two or three people with you. Grace. Grace says, get back up. Keep your eyes on the cross. You have been forgiven. Talk to your Lord about it, not because he's ready to throw you into hell, but because he loves you. And continue on. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's about him. Righteous faith centers on Jesus and his work on the cross. It's the reason he came. If we try to, by good works and by what we've done or religion, enter in, all we're saying is, Jesus, your sacrifice isn't enough. Romans 3, verses 21 through 24 says this. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested. That means made clear being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ, who for all those who believe, for there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified as a gift By his grace, through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. Period. (laughs) Hallelujah. Actually, yeah, it is a semicolon. But for our sake, it's a period. (laughs) 
<laughs> All right, so now we come to the question. And really, especially this morning, uh, I, I will ask if there's anyone who wants to call on the name of the Lord, but I would like to deal with our hearts. Us who are, are saved, born again, no question. But I want, I want you to evaluate this morning. As we hear this scripture, probably a scripture that maybe a lot of us have heard time and time again that Paul says, I am obligated, I'm under obligation, or I am a spiritual debtor to those around me, and then that, that he is eager. I mean, we, we've read this, and we thought, yeah, yeah, yeah. But this is my question for you. Eager, unashamed faith. Are you living by the nudge? It, it, it's a question because, see, I believe it, living by the nudge means that you are listening and saying, yes, Lord, I'll take that step here. I'll take that step here. I'll stop and I'll plug my life in over here for just a little bit. Are you living your life by the nudge? And you say, well, well what would be an indication? Well, number one, are you eager to share? Number two, are you unashamed? of the gospel. People's eyes get huge when sometimes I've grabbed somebody's hand in the middle of a Starbucks and said, let's pray. <laughs> you know, they, they throw out their stuff in front of our face all the time. I don't think I ought to be ashamed to pray somewhere. So, so this is what I'm saying. Are you living by the nudge? Are you eager? Are you unashamed? And then where is your faith resting? Is it truly resting in righteous faith? Or is it somehow slipped to trying to somehow impress God that he's so lucky you're on his team? I think I want to have righteous faith eager, unashamed faith because my life is under the influence of the Holy Spirit, living by the nudge. Bow your head with me this morning. As I ask that question and... Uh, no need to look around. I, I'm not asking for you even to come. I, I, I just don't feel like this morning. I know I've called people to the front before. It's appropriate sometimes to make a stand. I don't believe that's what the Lord is wanting today. So just close yourself with the Lord and just uh, evaluate, Lord, where am I? Where am I in my walk? And, and, and maybe you're even saying here, you know, I'm doing well, but with the power and, and the nudge of the Spirit, I bet I could do more. So if you're here and you would say, you know, Pastor Brian, I, I believe that the Lord is speaking to me today, that I need to be even more living by the nudge so I can have eager unashamed faith. Would you slip your hand up? I know my hand's up. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you. Lord, in Jesus' name, I first take time to pray for every hand that went up. For anyone, Lord, who has, uh, Lord, a heart to say, God, I want to see more of you working in my life. I want to see more of my faith being anchored in your righteousness. I want to see more of me being unashamed to live for you. Live out loud, as one of the Christian artists said. Lord, for us to live our lives eager to share, ready, Lord, to help, even to those that may try to put on a facade and say, oh, everything's fine. But inside, they're dead and they're dry and they have no hope. God, let us be ready. And I pray over everyone here that you would empower them by your Spirit to do 
your work in us and through us. Then, Lord, I just take a moment and ask this question. Is there anyone here? And you would say, Pastor Brian, I know I'm hearing the word of God and I know that I'm not, I'm not fully even committed to the Lord. I don't know if the Lord would come. I don't know. I don't know if I'm his. I don't know that I'm not his. If you have a question or if you know, if you know that either you've been playing church or you've just stepped away from the Lord or maybe you've never called on his name ever. I don't know what maybe your situation is. God does. I just want to take just a few moments. Anyone here, you would say to me by a raised hand, Pastor Brian, I want to receive Jesus in my heart. I want to know that something's changed. Raise your hand right now. I want to pray. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody here? Thank you, Jesus. Lord, then I thank you for all of these who have gathered in your name here. Lord, we desire to be your people. We desire, Lord, North Lake Church to be a place where they would describe us as eager, unashamed faith. That, Lord, in our neighborhoods, in our schools, in our workplaces, in Camas, Washougal, East Clark County, God, wherever you've placed us, Lord, that we would have eager, unashamed faith for the glory of Jesus Christ. Lord, we give you praise and we give you honor and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Stand with me, North Lake. It is great to have you here. Remember, right now, it's the Lord's Day and you start intentional ministry. Find somebody in the body to minister to or out in the community and do it for his glory. Amen.